today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. Hey, happy Friday. Welcome to Options Action. We've got lots ahead for you tonight. First up, OPEC accelerates the energy trade, but our Carter Worth sees some gunk in the charts that could cause that engine to backfire. Then today's surprise jump in jobs has some retailers and retail investors seeing green. Tony Jang has a way to more safely ring the register if you buy that thesis. And finally, watch out for that crepe. How breakfast at Tiffany's could turn into a luxury food fight. Mike Coe gives you a taste of what the options market is thinking. It is time to risk less to make more. So let's get right to it. Check out that move in oil surging more than 5% today, up more than 60% in the past month. The crude revival comes after OPEC agreed to extend its production cuts through July and amid positive economic data suggesting demand is about to return to the market. But our chart master, Carter Worth, says the energy surge has gone too far too fast. Carter, take it away. I mean, conceptually, what we know is this has been a poor area of the market for a long time. Our energy peaked in 2014 and obviously collapsed here with the COVID news and is recovered. Let's look at a few charts and figure it out. The first, of course, is a table. And if you look at the 10 GIC sectors that uh, compose the S&P 500, obviously that which went down the most is often that which bounces the most. And so you can see the stacking order here. Energy's up almost 100%, followed by consumer discretionary up almost 60, largely driven by Amazon, Home Depot, and a few others. Industrials up 57, of course, and then the S&P bringing up the rear, if you will, up 46. But let's look at two charts. Look at the XLE. This is, of course, the ETF that captures all energy, dominated by Chevron and Exxon at 40-plus percent weight. And this has essentially moved. There's the double, 22 to about 44. But what you can see quite clearly is that we're up against a fairly well-defined downtrend line, in effect, for the past two, three years a rally to a difficult level where interested sellers, those who lost money and now having a chance to get their money back, are likely to act. And then uh, XOP, uh, the trade today, uh, this is a broader aggregate in the sense that it's not dominated by uh, Exxon and Chevron, some 50, 60 names and more equal weighted. But this is up, you're talking about 115%, right? Made that low around 29 and change. Now, it's important to say here at 63, you're up against that same downtrend line. Energy bottomed earlier than the market. We know that on March 18th. It was the Wednesday. It wasn't the market's bottom until the following Monday on the 23rd. But this has come a long way. Uh, crude also. And I think it's going to be right to harvest gains if you're long. And for those who are looking for new short sales, XOP, uh, that's our idea. All right. So, uh, Mike, what's the trade off of this? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because actually Carter had highlighted playing this sector for a bounce a while back. I'm trying to remember if maybe it was right around April or so. I still actually have that position on the XLE diagonal. The situation that we have here, aside from the technical one, is also a fundamental one, which is that when you're dealing with the kind of constraints and problems that we've seen, especially in the North American industry of which the XOP is going to be represented there and has particular challenges, not all of those are going to be resolved, even if optimism about the market's returns, even if we are forecasting an increase in demand. We still have logistical problems with storage. We are still going to have logistical problems also on the product side. You know, we've talked a lot about what's going on on basic, basically with crude, but at some point you're going to have a surplus of some products. What this does is it just creates these bottlenecks. And those types of things, when people begin to recognize that, 
could also influence how they decide to trade the equity as well. So I'm inclined to follow along with Carter here. I did not close my long energy positions today, but I do intend to early next week. Mine are in XLE, but looking to XOP, which is much more levered, as Carter talked about. This is the E&P space. There's, you know, the upstream business is always going to be probably the most levered to the industry. I was looking to July, the 60.55 put spread, bearing in mind that options are still pretty expensive in the space, deservedly so. You could spend about $1.35 for that put spread, paying $2.70 for the 60 puts, selling the 55s against it for $1.35. That's how we get to a $1.35 net debit to put the spread on. We're using basically the high price of options to influence our decision to sell those 55s. Do I expect it to go right back down to the lows we saw recently? I, I don't expect that, certainly not if optimism remains in equities. But we certainly have had quite a strong run. And, and right now, if you're looking to fade any particular space, this might be a good one to take a look at. Tony, what do you make of Mike's trade? So first of all, I'll say trying to pick a short in this particularly strong market is incredibly difficult. But I do like this trade for two primary for two reasons. First, I really like the chart. You know, as Carter stated, this stock is or this ETF is extremely overbought. You have negative divergence. You have a lot of exhaustion on these moves higher. So I think you have a pretty high probability of a quick move back or pullback in this particular ETF. But the second reason I really like the stock is the fact that Mike here is only risking two percent of the underlying ETF's value to take this bearish bet here. So very little risk here on this particular trade. The one thing I will say is that this trade may not last very long. You might. Get a pullback that only lasts a few days to maybe a week or two. So you might want to make sure that you take profits on this very quickly if the stock, if the ETF does decline down into that 60-55 level. Carter, what's your, you mentioned the XLE and the difference I think is key between XLE and XOP. Clearly, XOP has the Cabot uh, oil and gases, the EQTs, range resources, etc. So a very different composition in terms of your outlook for the XLE, though that has been an outperformer. And to Tony's point. It's a very difficult market to, to be skeptical of any of these highly cyclical types of trades. So what do you foresee for the XLE? Sure, the XLE, it's the, it's the, the correlation is very, very high, right? And just because it's dominated by two stocks, 40%, it's the same general trajectory, which you saw in those two charts. And as it relates to beta, if you think about it, there's really no difference in this and the KRE regional banks or what you were speaking of earlier, American Airlines. Some people call it a dash for trash. You can call it whatever you want, but uh, it's a cyclical bounce, uh, oversold names, the worst of names, Royal Caribbean, pick your stock, that have bounced the most. That's natural when there's a, a push to get risk on. Uh, I don't think there's any difference really between any of it, and it's all come a long way. Mike, last word. Yeah, I think Tony made a very good point here. And this is actually true whenever you're shorting anything. So taking a bearish position, we get long things as investments, and we might keep them on our books for a very long time. But making short bets is a trade. And therefore, if your trade is profitable, you may look to seek and take those profits quickly. All right. Let's move from energy to huge employment numbers, injecting some energy into the markets today. The economy added a record two and a half million jobs compared to analyst expectations of a loss of more than eight million. That's got investors feeling very bullish on the consumer and the road to the economic recovery. And if you're one of those investors, Tony's got a way to play for bigger gains ahead. Tony. 
Yeah, I want to take a look at Dollar General because if you look at the chart here on Dollar General, the stock has spent quite a bit of time over the last couple of months below that 185 resistance level. And it reported earnings last week, and it was a very strong earnings report and managed to break out above that 185 level and came back to retest that as support this week and is starting to be fairly constructive on a move higher. You couple that with the fact that it's bounced off the 20-day moving average multiple times, and I think you have a really good risk-reward here for a long trade on Dollar General. Now, one of the things that is concerning to me that we have been tracking over the past few weeks is the number of coronavirus cases. We kind of have forgotten about this a little bit as the markets continue to march higher and we keep talking about reopening, but the number of cases of coronavirus have actually held steady for the last couple of weeks at around 21,000 cases, and it's actually seen a small uptick over the last couple of weeks, including the number of deaths have, stay, have held steady around 1,000 deaths a day. So this is concerning to me. And and what this suggests is that likely we're going to probably work from home a little longer than expected. We may not get out to restaurants as quickly as possible. And certainly social distancing is probably going to continue on for quite some time. So the, the trade here that I'm looking to do here is specifically geared for the fact that markets are severely overbought at this point, And we are trading at fairly stretched valuations. So I do think it's concerning for a lot of investors to still pull the trigger on a long trade here. So the trade structure I'm specifically using is designed to minimize risk in this particular scenario, which is using a call vertical debit spread. And I'm going out to July and I'm looking Looking at the 185 200 vertical spread here, I'm paying about $5.80 for that July 185. And I'm collecting about $1.10 on that July 200 call option. And net net here, I'm paying about $4.70 on this $15 wide debit spread, which is risking only about 2.5% of the underlying, uh, underlying stock's price, betting that Dollar General will bounce off that 185 support and continue higher onto that 200 level. Mike, what do you think of Tony's trade? You know, I like to use the term stock substitution when I look at trades like this in markets like this one. And I think that's an important thing. If, if you happen to own Dollar General already, if you're in a situation like that in this stock or in other stocks that are behaving in a similar way and you still feel compelled to press bullish bets, you don't have to do it by staying long the equity. An alternative is to put on debit spreads like the one that Tony just outlined. And, you know, obviously we're not all going to be short the market. I'm not short the market. But if you're going to choose your longs, choose them selectively and use strategies like this one that risk less than buying the equity does. Carter, what does the chart look like here? Well, I think the key thing about Dollar General, right, it's really closer to a staple in many ways in terms of its behavior. It's got a beta of 0.7. That's exactly the same as Procter and Colgate, meaning you don't have quite the cyclicality here as you do in most retailers, certainly not apparel or other uh, type stocks. But as we know, the stock sold off all week, and I think that's the opportunity, meaning actually if you look on a two-month basis, uh, this stock is up uh, half of the XLY. It's up 14%. The XLY is up almost 35 And so it's quiet after the earnings beat is pulled back. That's the opportunity because, one, it's low beta. Two, it's been a massive underperformer on a two-month basis. And ultimately, if and as it reasserts itself, uh, you would get a move higher. Tony, what if the uh, economic recovery is, in fact, in place and things are looking better and consumers are going out? Does that make you less bullish on Dollar General? Not exactly, because Dollar General is a retail that has that has um, invested quite a bit in digital in a digital strategy, and I think that's certainly the type of retailer that will 
um, be able to get some type of headwind from all of this. So I don't necessarily think that that is going to be a, a tailwind. But I will say that if Dollar General falls b below 185, that would be my thesis. I would say that my thesis is incorrect and I would get out of the trade. So right. very, very good risk reward on this particular trade. Uh, not quite in the iconic bag what the options market makes of the proposed deal between two luxury stalwarts. And for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Meantime, here's what's coming up next. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. Welcome back to Options Action. A big luxury retail deal is hanging in the balance. Tiffany and Francis LVMH are locked in a dance of will they, won't they over a deal that could see LVMH buy Tiffany for a price of $135 a share. And despite Tiffany's shares surging higher in today's rally, some traders are betting this deal may fall through. Mike Coe is here with a call to action. Mike, what are you seeing? Yeah, so Melissa, we actually talked about this a little bit earlier this week on, on Fast Money. You know, it's interesting. Risk arbitrageurs, these are the professionals that essentially bet on deals. Once they get announced, what's going to happen, how do we play it, are very big participants in the options markets. And we can usually get some tells about what they're thinking. Generally speaking, what risk arbitrage desks do is they bet on a deal taking place. And what they often will do to basically take advantage of that is they will buy the target stock, the company that is being acquired, specifically in situations where you have a, an all-cash deal, like the Tiffany deal, with LVMH is right now, and then try to sell some calls at the target price. So in this case, the target price for LVMH is 135. But take a look at the activity that we saw earlier this week. It really didn't look like that at all. And actually, we can look at the stock price too. It's not trading close to the deal price. And some of the options activity, as people thought that LVMH was going to try to basically fight the deal terms, was that they were buying puts, the 110s, the 100s, even the 90s out going uh, six months or so, and selling the 120 calls well below the, the deal price of 135. And then, you know, this is essentially these folks either hedging their long bets or betting that the deal is simply not going to happen. And in some of these cases, they were actually laying out significant amounts of premium to put this trade on. So then today, what were we seeing? Well, again, we were seeing a purchase of, a, of the 110 puts. Those were trading, you know, at around $4.75. So those are still well out of the money, but paying good amount of premium for that. And then selling the 130 calls for about a dollar. Again, below the acquisition price of 135. Anybody who's doing that has to either be hedging against the deal or betting that it isn't going to happen. Because normally what you would be looking at is selling calls that are at the, at the deal price or above. And you certainly wouldn't be spending massive amounts of premium. And then finally, I would just say, look at the price of the stock itself. We saw after this deal was announced that it was trading, you know, around 132 for a consistent and prolonged period of time. Since the pandemic, the price basically dropped precipitously down to about 110 or so. It's bounced back, but nowhere close to where it was trading. It seems like everybody is saying that there is some concern that this actually happens the way it was outlined. And of course, as everybody knows, this thing was supposed to close relatively soon. Yeah. Uh, Tony, your thoughts when you see activity like this? 
Yeah, so first of all, I think it's perfectly reasonable for LVMH to explore options to reprice this deal, if not walk away entirely. But the, the trade itself, I think, is telling of how bearish these traders really are on this particular deal. And if you just look at the stock price, as Mike said, the fact that it's trading at about a 10% discount to the target price, this shows me that the market is pricing in a fair possibility that this is going to get repriced at a lower price or possibly even walk away from this deal. Carter, what do you make of this all? Well, it's, it's, it's not a naturally trading security, right? It's almost, well, it is. It's pegged to a point in time, a price in time. One thing that's interesting about where deals get made, uh, someone says, well, how do they decide on the price? And if you have, ask the average banker, they'll say, we decide on the price that the most people will be induced to sell. The stock had a peak almost two years ago at 136. And then this deal was announced when it was around 90. Why did they pick 135? Because at that point, there will be no one who is underwater. Hmm. It's basically pegged to that. Does the deal happen? Doesn't it? Nobody knows. Yeah, Mike, I love it when Carter brings up the psychology to certain stock levels. I mean, I think it's fascinating to think that's, that's where people are made whole, and that's where they are willing to sell. It's a good point. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you want to have everybody's support for the deal, and that's kind of a common thing. Does it make sense for the acquirer? Does it make sense for the acquired? And for it to make sense for the acquired... They don't want to lock in losses. So this is one of those circumstances where you can essentially make sure everybody is whole. But the scenario, our economic realities, have changed dramatically. And I think that is being reflected both by the acquirer and the acquired. I think people who own this stock must certainly recognize that they might be happy sellers at prices well below 135 if the alternative is they don't sell them at all. Yeah, and Tony, there are so many deals right now that are, there are question marks all over. Taubman, Simon Properties is another one that comes to mind. Um, and, you know, in terms of looking at the options market for clues, what do you look for uh, first and foremost? Well, first of all, bearish activity, as Mike said, way mm -hmm. out of the money puts that are, uh, at this point, you know, unreasonable to buy if, they, if this deal was going to go through. That is telltale sign. That's the telltale sign, in my opinion, of some activity here. So if you look at L Brands, we had that uh, deal walk away from mm -hmm. L Brands for Victoria's Secret. Same thing. Those are the types of trades that you're looking for. All right. Up next, investors biting into Apple today as the stock hits a fresh all-time high. We'll tell you how to manage the run, at, run higher. Plus, we're going to take your tweets. Send us your questions at Options Action. We'll answer some of them on air. We'll be back right after this. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Now, last week, Tony said Zoom video would zoom higher on earnings. If we look at the chart here, what I love about the Zoom chart is that it's been in a clear uptrend, but every time it touches the 50-day moving average, it bounces higher off of it. And that's exactly what we saw here earlier this week. And we have this double top here at 180 that it's about to break out from. And I think earnings next week is what this stock needs in order to break out above that 180 level. I'm going out to June and I'm buying the 175 one, a 210 call vertical here. I'm spending about $13.60 for that June 175 call, and I'm collecting about $3.20 to sell that June 210 call. Well, Zoom did indeed Zoom, and that trade is comfortably in the green. So, Tony, what are you doing now? 
Yeah, so the stock broke out even without earnings. So, and it's just shy of about 150% gain. This trade does expire in June. So if you are in this trade, I certainly recommend taking profits on this particular trade, but the stock is fairly constructive. The stock bounced off the 200, the 200 support level today. If you think that this stock can continue moving higher, especially given the uh, earnings announcement that came out, what you can do is you can roll this out to a July 210, 250 call spread, giving you another month of time all the way up to about 250, and you can trade that for about a net credit of $10 today, which means that you can bring your total risk on this trade to basically zero and still play for upside all the way through July up to that 250 level here. Does, does the chart look good, Carter? Oh, it's a great chart. It's just a question of um, do you harvest? I think if you're an absolute long player and you own the stock, it's a trim candidate. Otherwise, uh, do what Tony's saying is stay, but uh, reduce your exposure a different way. All right. And, and last week, Cohen Carter laid out a way to maximize your profits in Apple, even if the rally is maxed out. When you return to a former high, you've returned to a level of overhead supply. In principle, there are people who bought in February, who then endured a 35% sell-off, but didn't sell, and then now seeing their money return to them, they want to grab it. They're interested sellers. Get me out. I was looking at that earlier today. Now consider, that is above the all-time high in the stock. If you did end up selling the stock at that 330 level net of the 760 you're collecting, that's $337.60 per share that you'd effectively be collecting. Well, this trade looks to be working like a charm. So, um, Mike, what are you going to do now? Yeah, I'm going to stay with this one. I mean, we did actually hit a new high today, but I still think that we're bumping into that resistance that Carter talked about. We obviously had a catalyst for that move that we saw today. In addition to the market, you know, we saw a price upgrade to a lower level, I would add. I still think that selling up around 340 would be a good sale in the stock. So being short those calls against your long position still makes sense to me. Carter, what do you say about Apple? Right. It's, it's a slight breakout. But what's important here is that it's basically at those old highs and it has work to do. I would also point out, of course, its relative performance to the tech sector or to XLK actually peaked in January and it's not keeping up. Wow. Peaked in January. Tony, what do you think? Uh, Apple, I actually quite like the breakout. You know, the fact that it got back above that all-time high, I think this is constructive up to about that 345 level. I, I really like going long here. All right. It is time for Take Some Tweets. Our uh, first viewer asks about Lululemon. Uh, it's recently stretched to new highs with their earnings on June 10th. Does the stock have more room to the upside, or would you wait to start a position on a pullback? Lulu, uh, Lulu. Carter, what do you think of Lulu? <laughs> right. Well, it's an extraordinary move, of course, uh, being up some 150% off its March low. But I would also point out, if you look out over the past 10 years, any time when the stock has gotten this, this far above its 150-day moving average, 40% or thereabouts, it is basically a faltered. It's extended. My hunch is to trim, to get out, to take measures, do something. All right, that's pretty clear. Time now for the final call. Tony, what do you say? Uh, Dollar General, I actually think that lockdowns and social distancing is going to stay for a little longer. I'm going to go long Dollar General through a call spread vertical. Carter. You want to fade this extraordinary move in energy using the XOP to do it, sell short. Mike. XOP, I think you can use put spreads to affect that bearish bet. And if you're long stocks generally that are reaching their all-time highs, selling calls against it is a good play here. 
All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you next Friday. Meantime, special edition of Fast starts at the top of the hour. Stay tuned for that. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.